It's the new year, and I am proud to declare that I am a huge fan of Star Trek. Why is only one person clapping? (laughs) And I'm particularly a big fan of Star Trek The Next Generation, and that aired in the late 80s, early 90s. And with this series in particular, I think, creator Gene Roddenberry wasn't just creating incredibly good science fiction entertainment, but he was also creating an ideal that he believed society could work toward. You see, in The Next Generation, very on, actually in the last episode of the first season, Captain Picard, who's played by the incredible Patrick Stewart, declares that the ideals of the society of the United Federation of Planets do not revolve around consumerism. Instead, they revolve around personal growth and evolution the betterment of oneself. Their society is not structured around getting things. In fact, their structures, their their society is structured around everyone having not just what they need to survive, but what they need to thrive. And that thriving is centered around exploration and evolution and growth. And it's not just for themselves individually, but with the larger goal of their whole society being uplifted. Now, what's striking about the society for me is that even though they have this incredible technology, that means that anyone could quite literally, out of thin air, have any possession that they desire. They don't just get possessions. In fact, they possess only what it is that they need to fulfill that desire to better themselves. They derive their fulfillment instead through the relationships that they cultivate. And through this powerful drive to explore the universe in all of its flavors and to embrace the differences that they see rather than being afraid of them. And the thing that I love the most about this universe is that they are fiercely optimistic, even in the face of the greatest challenges. Now, this all sounds very familiar to me, and perhaps this kind of a society might sound familiar to you too, because in essence, it's kind of what our founder, Ernest Holmes, was talking about. It's what he teaches through the science of mind. Because you see, there's this foundational concept that is behind everything that Ernest teaches. And that is the idea, the singular idea that thought comes before everything that we see and experience in the world. That thought is, in fact, the first cause And because we have power over our thought, that means then that we can change our world by changing our perception of what the world actually is and by considering what it could be.
And we do this by moving beyond our basest fears into faith that there is an intrinsic goodness baked into all of reality, just like the chocolate chips in a chocolate chip cookie. Now, Ernest wasn't telling us that we have to ignore the problems that we see in the world. In fact, he said that if we see a problem, it's because we probably played a part in creating it, just a little bit. Instead, he encouraged us to have an attitude of optimism and possibility as we address these problems, because he knew that a positive frame of mind is far more effective in seeking out sustainable solutions to the problems that ail us. After all, if it turns out that many of the problems in the world that we experience are rooted in our fearfulness, in this false idea that there isn't enough to go around, then how could that fearful frame of mind ever contain a solution? It's commonly said that the consciousness that creates a problem is not the one that's going to solve it. And I'm fond of that wonderful phrase. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. (laughs) So one of the reasons that I love the new year is because it's a time when I get to, you know, traditionally in my life, look toward that upcoming year, look toward 2024 in this case, and Think about what might be possible. It's a time of optimism. And I tend to be a little bit of a problem solver. I'm looking at Linda back there. I know she knows this. (laughs) And so I like to think about what are some of the solutions? What are some of the, the solutions to the lingering problems, not just in my life, but in the world around me? And I often find myself asking, how might I change some of my habits that aren't working so great for me? And maybe embrace a new way of being that won't just uplift my life, but uplift the lives of all of those who are around me. So I want to be clear, I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions here. I like to think of this practice going beyond that because often I find that, at least for me, my New Year's resolutions are rooted just a little bit in my ego. And every year, my ego likes to tell me things like, oh yeah, this is the year when I'm going to look like Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) But I'm thinking at this point I've learned my lesson because that New Year's resolution gym membership never seems to stick. (laughs) And what I found instead that's so much more helpful is a spiritual practice that we use here in our community called visioning. And let me tell you a little bit about it. Vision, or spiritual practice of visioning. It's when we take that time to turn within and become contemplative, opening up to the wisdom and the intuition within us, within our heart of hearts. 
there's this part of us, this wise self with a capital S, that is compassionate and creative and courageous and optimistic. And I find that when I am able to open to that part of me by becoming still and quiet and receptive, then I can ask it questions. And you know what? It gives me answers. And it turns out that those answers are pretty inspirational. And so I get the answers and I write them down in my journal or on a piece of paper. If I don't have that, I kind of play them through my mind so that I remember them. And I do this, and this is very important, I do this without censoring myself and the answer that comes up or editing. Because that censoring and that editing, it turns out, well, that's coming from my ego, wanting to get things perfect. <laughs> now, we won't have time on our service today to go through a full visioning process, but we do have our visioning workshop today that's happening at 1 p.m. So if you'd like to dive into that a little bit more and experience that, that's available to you. I don't know that Gene Roddenberry followed this exact visioning process, but I suspect that he must have had something similar when that idea for the Star Trek universe formed in his mind, because it's a universe that is rooted in compassion, in creativity, in possibility. I don't think those things could come from anywhere other than that wise inner self within him. What Gene Roddenberry was talking about is what we heard in our vision and mission statement. He was talking about a world, in fact, a universe that works for everyone. Now, that phrase, a world that works for everyone, that comes from our global vision, and there's a little bit more to it. And as I was doing my own contemplation in this new year, I was kind of turning within and seeing like, okay, what does that world that works for everyone look like? And my wise inner self came back to me and said, hey, you know, we've already written this down, right? <laughs> so I'd like to share with you today the full global vision for Centers for Spiritual Living um, because I personally find it very inspiring and I hope that you have that same experience. We envision all people, all beings, all life as expressions of God. Now, I'm going to add an addendum here. If you don't like that word God, if it might be triggering or challenging, you can use whatever word you like. You can say love, you can say the universe, you can say wholeness, whatever word works for you here. We see a world in which each and every person lives in alignment with their highest spiritual principle, emphasizing unity with God and connection with each other. A world in which individually and collectively we are called to a higher state of consciousness and action. 
We envision humanity awakening to its spiritual magnificence and discovering the creative power of thought. A world where each and every person discovers their own personal power and ability to create an individual life that works within a world that works for everyone. We envision a world in which we live and grow as one global family that respects and honors the interconnectedness of all life. A world where this kinship with all life prospers and connects through the guidance of spiritual wisdom and experience. We envision a world where personal responsibility joins with social conscience in every area of the political, corporate, academic, and social sectors, providing sustainable structures to further the emerging global consciousness. We envision a world where each and every person has enough food, a home, and a sense of belonging. A world of peace and harmony. Enfranchisement and justice. We envision a world in which resources are valued, cared for, and grown, and where there is generous and continuous sharing of these resources. We envision a worldwide culture in which forgiveness, whether for errors, injustices, or debts, is the norm. We envision a world which has renewed its emphasis on beauty, nature, and love through the resurgence of creativity, art, and aesthetics. We envision a world that works for everyone and for all of creation. Now, I have to say, I think that Gene Roddenberry could get behind this vision, don't you? (laughs) Our global vision, at its core, is grounded in that idea that there is no separation between you, between me, between anyone in the world. And that because we are all part of that same divine one, that we uplift ourselves when we uplift others. It's a vision that is grounded in optimism, focusing on what could be, rather than getting dragged down and mired in what currently is. And I find that this vision recognizes the possibility that one day we will evolve to the point of being a truly inclusive society. A society that prioritizes positive relationship with others over possessions. A true society where all are allowed the opportunity to grow and evolve on their path, whatever it is, in ways that enrich the whole and diminish no one. When I take the time to contemplate this vision, I 
have to consider for myself not just that it's possible, but that it's actually possible within my lifetime. And this is important for me because I find that if I'm putting this vision onto future generations to create this world, then it feels as though I'm abdicating my own responsibility. Now, I recognize, because I'm a pragmatist and a problem solver, that we might not get there before I transition on to whatever the next step of consciousness is for me. And I recognize that it is a team effort. I'm not going to do it all by myself. I can't. I believe that we all have to choose this society for it to come true. But believing that it can be done in my lifetime, well, it's not optional for me. Because if I don't believe that, then I lose my optimism. That's why I'm so inspired by this community, because each and every day I see all of you showing up with that optimism, bringing just another one of those beautiful chocolate chips in that cookie that is our world, bringing the good with you. That sense of optimism, that's why I think that Star Trek has been so successful. It's been around since the 1960s, and we're in 2024. Its optimism has carried a message of inclusion and evolution for so many years, and it shows no sign of stopping. They're still making Star Trek shows. If you didn't know, they're actually really good. (laughs) And I have to be honest, I haven't always been an optimistic person. Sometimes I struggle. Last month, I shared that It can be challenging to try and look for good in situations that really have no good, like war and oppression and poverty. But today, I'd like to talk about how we might actively seek out that good, how we might look for those chocolate chips and that delicious cookie, looking for it where we know that it does exist. Because I find that seeking out that good fuels my optimism and keeps it charged. And it reminds me that we actually can have a world that works for everyone in our lifetime. Last Sunday, I really appreciate how Dr. Edward was sharing his love of the Good News Network with us. And especially, um, you remember that story about the whale that they saved um, uh, off the coast on San Francisco, that really inspired me. And I think that's such a good place to start. And I encourage you to check that out if you haven't checked it out. Because looking outward for that goodness is such a wonderful way to remind us that it is there when we look for it. But today I want to talk about another side of that optimism coin. And that's that we also can seek out that good within us Now, for the longest time, I felt like I wasn't any good. In fact, I kind of felt like I was worthless. And so much so that I wanted to be invisible to the world because I felt like if I was in the world, I would be a burden 
to those around me because I was no good. And that mindset really influenced how I showed up in the world, or rather how I didn't show up in the world. It's one of the main reasons that I couldn't find happiness, I couldn't find fulfillment. And I'm not going to focus on the causes of this belief because there are many and they're complex, but I do want to focus on how I found my way back from that abyss. One of the fundamental teachings of the science of mind is that there is an inherent goodness baked into reality. After all, reality couldn't exist if it were opposed to itself. And this is a concept that Ernest Holmes shares often in his writings. You see, he did not believe in a fickle universe, one that was judgmental, one that was made of half measures and opposites. Instead, he believed in a universe that is absolute in its being and absolute in its goodness. And so that idea that goodness is a core part of being is fundamental to what we teach here at the center. There's a trick. Ernest also teaches us that we're not going to experience that goodness until we open up to it. And so I learned this lesson through a lot of trial and error with a heaping helping of accepting things just the way they are and and you can learn this too through the spiritual practices here at our center. And there's one practice, it's very simple, that I want to share today and that we can go through. And that is embracing the friendly affirmation. And so if it feels comfortable for you, I invite you to close your eyes and take a deep breath, feeling the life and the goodness of that air as it fills your lungs. And I invite you to repeat out loud with me. I am fundamentally good. I don't have to do anything to get this goodness. My goodness naturally flows into the world. All right, keeping your eyes closed, take another deep breath. Again, feeling the goodness of life filling your lungs and let out a sigh. Now, staying in this this contemplative state, ask yourself, check in. As you spoke those words out loud, was there any part of you even if just a little bit, that did not believe what you were saying about your inherent goodness. Now, maybe there wasn't, and that's great. But if you're like me, there might have been a little voice there that was saying, oh, I don't know if I believe that. And if there is, you can ask that voice, what is it that you need to actually believe that I am inherently good?
Okay, let's take one more deep breath. Feeling that liveliness. Let it out. When you feel ready, you can open your eyes and come back to the room. So good to see you. (laughs) I promise you, that goodness is within you. And I found that the more I embrace my own inner goodness, well, that leads to optimism. And that optimism leads to being able to see new possibilities in the world. And being able to see new possibilities in the world is what I know will lead us to the solutions to the most glaring problems that we see in the world. Sustainable solutions that are inclusive of all and that diminish no one. I believe it is this intrinsic goodness that both Gene Roddenberry and Ernest Holmes believed in. Because it shows in their seemingly boundless optimism. And so today I'd like to leave you with these words that uh, I found from Gene Roddenberry that I find very inspiring. Reality is incredibly larger, infinitely more exciting than the flesh and blood vehicle we travel in here. If you read science fiction, the more you read it, the more you realize that you and the universe are part of the same thing. Science knows still practically nothing about the real nature of matter, energy, dimension, or time. And even less about those remarkable things called life and thought. But whatever the meaning and purpose of this universe, you are a legitimate part of it. And since you are part of the all that is, part of its purpose, there is more to you than just this brief speck of existence. You are just a visitor here in this time and this place, a traveler through it. So I invite us to take that into prayer. And as I breathe in the goodness of life myself, recognizing that it is in that air, in my lungs, in my body, in this entire life and reality existence, I know that there is only that good, only that one, only that wholeness and perfection. And I know that Connecting all of this together is the power of unconditional love. And it is that unconditional love that I know I am one with here and now, knowing that that is one of the infinite ways that goodness makes itself known in this world. As me, as each and every person here today on our live stream, I know that that goodness is here now. That goodness is infinite and that that love is infinite. And I claim for us here and now an opening 
an invitation for our hearts to open, to allow that goodness that has always been there and always will be to come forth, to make itself known, to express itself in this world through our actions, through our ideas, through our relationships. I call that good forth, knowing that it is the truth of reality. Even though I know I don't always see it, sometimes I cannot see it, I say here and now that I am open to that good. And I invite each and every heart here as well to express that good into the world. And so I embrace optimism, I embrace possibility, knowing that this world that can work for everyone, it is possible. And I call it forth. I call it forth and whatever actions need to happen for that to be so. And so I am grateful for that, grateful for each and every heart that is open to expressing that goodness in the world. And with this gratitude, I release these words into the action of that law of mind that always, always, always acts upon what it is given. I let it go, I let it be, and I invite us all to seal this prayer together by saying, and so it is.